Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 316 of the world's most dangerous, I'm actually not the most dangerous podcast, there's plenty of more dangerous things going on right now, but I'm Chad Dotson and with me this week, your friend and mine, Chris Garber. How are you, Chris? Hello, folks. That is Chris. Uh, it's Today, as we record this, uh, we should be actually watching the Cincinnati Reds play their opening day game based on the time of day that we're recording this. It is the was the scheduled opening day, and yet there's no baseball today. Chris, uh, how are you affected by the fact that we don't have opening day because of what's going on in the world right now? Well, it would have been a really nice, uh, really nice diversion, wouldn't it? Um, you know, I don't want to, it's hard to get too upset about trivial things, but gosh, uh, it would be nice to have trivial things. Yeah. I could use some trivial things to, to be concerned about at this point. Yeah. It was obviously supposed to be opening day. We don't know when opening day is going to happen or if it's going to happen. I imagine that it will in some form or fashion at some point, but that still remains to be seen depending on how things progress in the, uh, good old U S of a, uh, opening day, you know, it's a, maybe it hurts more in Cincinnati because I know a lot of people take opening day very seriously in Cincinnati. And most of that's because for the last, uh, I don't know, 25 years or so, that's been about the last day in the season. The Reds were relevant, <laughs> but, uh, you know, MLB network, I guess uh, MLB decided they were going to play an opening day game for every team. And the one they chose for the Reds was, uh, they had all these great games, you know, that they're going to show. It wasn't opening day games for everybody. It was just great games for every, every team. And the one they chose for the Reds was last year's opening day, which preceded an eight game losing streak. <laughs> so exciting go reds um chris you, you are you are you one of these uh big time opening day guys you know a lot of people are, they love their opening day I, I love the idea of opening day um i think we talked about this last time about about how spring training is kind of the same way like i get all geeked up for it and then it's like all right it's it's you know it's, it's just one baseball game and i think that's how opening day feels it's like I get all excited about it, and then the uh, the Reds play their game, and then they're off for a day, and you know you're sitting there looking at, hey Jesse Winker's betting seven fifty and that kind of a thing, <laughs> right? For a couple of days, but uh, you know it's, it's it is exciting. It's it's cool. It is a cool thing in Cincinnati, and you know the the parade. I went to the parade once, and it was a cool thing to have seen, and I like the fact that the Reds still have a parade, and that the, you know it's kind of celebrating. That people get geeked up. People don't go to many Reds games. Show up for opening day. It's fun. You know, I had a streak of going to five or six in a row there before we had kids, uh, and I enjoyed just going to the games. My very first opening day was April the fifth of nineteen ninety three. And it was me and, and my dad and my brother. And I remember it because it was snowing that day. And we were like, we must have been top sick. We were way up in the red <laughs> seats. And it was snowing and it was cold. And it was, the game only went two hours and 19 minutes. But uh, the Reds defeated the Expos. And the literally the only thing I remember about that game was in the ninth inning. Uh, the top of the ninth when Rob Dibble gave up one of the longest home runs I've ever seen in my life to uh, to Larry Walker. So, but uh, Jose well, Rio got the, cool. Yeah, I remember it. I guess that's um, Jose Rio got the win. Went eight innings, eight shutout innings. Struck out five. Didn't walk anybody. Threw a hundred pitches, and they didn't let him go for the shutout. Oh, that's that's uh, well, yeah, that's yeah. pretty interesting that they cut him off at a hundred pitches. Yeah, yeah. Dennis Martinez got the loss for Montreal. Uh, Chris Sabo had a home run, and uh, the other run was driven in by. Um, 
Kevin Mitchell. Oh, Batman. Good old Kevin Mitchell. Yeah, he was removed late in the game for a pinch runner, Cesar Hernandez. That was a red? Evidently. How about that? An obscure former red. We'll talk a little more about obscure former reds later. So um, let me just run down the reds opening day lineup that day, just because I'm looking at it and it's interesting. Bip Roberts at second base. Roberto Kelly, center field. Roberto, not Paul O'Neill Kelly, is what we called him. (laughs) Um, Barry Larkin. Bad third. Kevin Mitchell, fourth. Chris Sabo, fifth. Randy Milligan at first base. Batted sixth. <laughs> what? Reggie Sanders batted seventh. Randy, Randy Milligan batting ahead of Reggie Sanders. Oh, yeah. Went, sure. two, for, went two for four that day. Uh, Joe Oliver, eighth, and, and Riho, ninth. Tim Costo pinch hit for, uh, for Riho. That's when he was removed. So Anyway, uh, that's opening I, day. I think I think I, I went to – I've been to one opening day in Cincinnati, and I think I'm going to – think it was 2009 which was right after i moved back to ohio and it was it was definitely one of the many like aaron harang starts there in the uh the late 2000s but i'm pretty sure it was that game that they ended up losing two to one uh to the mets well that's sad yeah but you know i got to see uh johan santana oh there you go and jerry hairston jr Ooh, well that's getting better all the time Listen, oh my gosh, look at this Reds outfield. You had Jerry Hairston Jr. in left, Darnell McDonald in center, <laughs> and Jay Bruce in right. Oh man, the good old days. Those were the days. Yeah, I don't know. Did you watch any of the broadcasts that they did? I guess it was on YouTube. I didn't even look at it because I didn't want to watch last year's opening day game. I'm sorry. I'm, the only, uh, I'm a big Reds fan. I love talking about the Reds, but... I, you know, I, 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 I want to see real baseball. I want to see baseball yeah. that's live. Did you watch any of it? No, I didn't. Uh, but what what is on TV or on YouTube right now is uh, Woo the Reds is simulating today's opening day game against the Cardinals and on I, uh, MLB The Show. Yeah, I did watch the first two innings of that before we came to record. And uh, Joey Votto got the first hit of the year. Well, the Reds are up right now, two to one. They just Winker just knocked in a run in the bottom of the sixth, so... Oh, in like the second or or third, I guess it was the second because I was still watching then. Winker had a 13 pitch at bat. That guy's looking good so far this year. Really locked in. <laughs> so, um, it, it, I was going to say it is kind of amazing how how good the presentation is of this video game. I mean, it, it basically looks like you're watching a real game. It really does. Yeah, I mean, it's really you know, I pulled it up on my phone. And I'm watching. It. It's really and and you know, the announcing sometimes a little bit. You know, it's they they they're not perfected right. that yet, but still, it's pretty good. Well, game. you know, and and consider the alternative. Give me Matt Vaskersian every day. <laughs> yeah, pre-recorded <laughs> Matt Vaskersian over yes. over some of the alternatives you can exactly. have. Exactly. Now, do you have the MLB the show, the new one? I do. I got it. Uh, whatever. Whenever we realized we we're going to be stuck in the house for the duration, I went ahead yep. and uh, downloaded it. Yeah, that's what we did here. And uh, so, so I'm, I'm trying to wonder. I don't. I don't really know how to do it, but. Uh, well, there's got to be some way that uh, you and I could play a game on there and 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 talk, you know, and comment on oh, the game as yes. we're playing. I mean, some great content. That. Yeah, that would be. We got to find a way to record that and all. You know, I, I'm, I, you know, they have the the road to the show mode, and uh, I'm all, I'm very every year I'm disappointed in that they have hundreds of different names that you can have been pre-recorded for your your created character. But uh, there's never a Garber in there, despite the fact there being an actual major leaguer named Garber. Yeah, that's uh, disappointing. 
Yeah, you know, there's Garabito and Garibaldo. <laughs> and uh, so we often end up having to be, uh, you know, Chris Big Daddy or Chris <laughs> right. Chris Doc or whatever. Yeah, there's usually a Dodson, D-O-D-S-O-M. <laughs> you just, yeah, uh, you just, just kind of hope nobody hears. I, I went with Garner one year for the same reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a, a, you know, Richard Dodson was a, a player in the, the big leagues, but Dodson's yeah. not on there. It's it's a Dodson. That's funny. So if anybody has any, uh, can can show us how to live stream it or something, uh, and so that we can uh, play that and comment on it at the same time, Chris and I will work out a time to do a game at some point. So that's baseball. Uh, are we going to play baseball at some point this year? What? What? How are you feeling about the, the major league season? They're going to play something somewhere with somebody. I don't know. Hopefully, there'll be fans in the stands, but um, you know, maybe not at first. I don't know, but hopefully, they'll find a way to to get some players on the field. Yeah, you know, management and the players' association have been talking, and there's a lot of things that are being tossed about. Uh, one thing that evidently both sides agree on is that the regular season. That they want to play a regular season, they want to be as many games as possible. Now, how you make that work, who knows? Stretch it into October. There's been a scenario of uh, putting playoff games at neutral sites, at domes or warm weather cities or something, which would be, I don't like that at all. Um, can you imagine the year the Reds make it back to the World Series and they play it, you know, uh, in, I don't, I don't know, who's got a dome in Tampa or somewhere? Tampa. In Tampa. <laughs> Tropicana Field. Exactly. So, I, yeah, I don't know about that. But, uh, I don't just I'm just imagining some sort of baseball island that's restricted to only the the players and the teams and the umpires. There you go. I don't know. I don't know what the, how they're going to do. There's a talk of doing a lot of uh, a lot of double headers as well, trying to, so they can get as many games as possible, so make as much money as possible. I guess. I don't know. It's it's all it's all up in the air. Uh, I still think they need to play a short regular season and then have a big uh, March Madness style bracket. I'm still gonna. I'm not going away from that. Just include include some AAA teams, get 64 teams, and let's do this thing. But I don't think that's going to be. I don't think it's going to be happening. Now, do you have this uh, WhatsApp? This it, it's an app. Is this like a chatting Chinese yes. chatting thing or something? Yes. Well, I don't no. know. If it's, I don't know if it's Chinese or not, but um, maybe that's TikTok. That is that that one is Chinese. Um, WhatsApp is just it's a messaging app essentially. And oh, it's owned by Facebook. By it's the, the way. one that was bought by Facebook. Yes. And, uh, th- that is how the reds are communicating. The, the players and coaches are communicating during this. <laughs> according to reds, according to reds pitching coach, Derek Johnson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he literally says, Oh, let me fight it here. Um, we, we have an in-house setup, different ways we can communicate with the players. We have WhatsApp. We basically have our full team on that. We split them into subgroups. So the pitchers have their own channel. The hitting guys have their own channel. We're keeping in touch with them, trying to give them as much information as we can. So, so that's good. I All guess. right. <clears throat> Facebook Messenger wasn't good enough for you. I don't know. Well, Derek Johnson did talk uh, with the media earlier this week and talked about the, his pitching staff and where they were and and how he's a little concerned about uh, what's going to happen when they do come back. They're going to need some time to get ready. He said he had the starting pitchers. He said they had six starting pitchers in camp, uh, including Tyler Malley that were between 57 and 65 pitches and as where they were built up to. And and the following week, the first week they shut down, they were going to go up to 75 to 80 and get as many of them as they could up to 90 to 95. And they're going, they said they were going to back them down before the season started. So said, uh, and, and with the relievers, they were all in their fifth or sixth appearance and they were planning on giving them 10, uh, around 10 if they could. So 
He said, uh, they're, they're still throwing, but some are doing more. He, I got the sense that some were doing more work than others. And, uh, uh, but that uh, he thinks it's going to take some time to get ready uh, to, to avoid injuries. And yeah, we're, we're going to have, we're going to see some kind of a spring training again, I think. Yeah, definitely. I know. I mean, I guess, I guess they don't necessarily have to go to Arizona to do it. You no. know, if at this point they would be playing in Cincinnati, so they could just go to the stadium and practice, but, but they may like to have it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe if they're going to play games uh, ahead of time, they'll have to go out there. So they'll have other teams close by, but uh, but if it's just in terms of ramping things up and getting back into shape, I don't know. I don't know how you, I mean, I guess you, pitchers should still be throwing. I would imagine they should have a, uh, a system for every pitcher. You know, let's keep, keep our arms going, but you know, you're not getting the game competition and you're not able to work on certain things against hitters. Uh, yeah. yeah it's got to throw off a wall unless <laughs> you got your wife to catch. Yeah, really? Uh, <laughs> <boy>. <laughs> See Trevor Bauer throwing a hundred balls into a net. <laughs> Oh, no, I don't want to watch that. I'm sure it'd be live streamed. I can't remember if I talked about it last week on the podcast, so I'm going to mention it again, and I might have. But uh, did you see, uh, speaking of apps, there's this other app called Instagram. It's a popular, <laughs> popular uh, app for your phone. And um, the last week or the week before, Derek Dietrich and Nick Senzel, did you see the live stream that they did? No, no. I, I, I thought you were going to talk about the Trevor Bauer uh Sandlot game, but no, no, that was pretty cool too. And we'll talk about that maybe, but, uh, Eric, Derek, I just happened to be, I don't know where I was. I saw a, a notification on my phone that both Derek Dietrich and Nick Senzel had gone live on Instagram. So I thought, well, what's that all about? <laughs> and so I pulled it up and, and they were still out in Arizona and they evidently just took a bucket of balls and a couple of bats and went out to a local field somewhere. And they were just going to, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to pitch to each other. They had, had a tee with them as well. So maybe they're going to hit off a, Hit off a tee, I guess. And, I don't know, just hit some balls over the fence and have fun. Well, they got to the field, evidently, and there were some guys there stretching, some old you know, middle-aged dudes stretching. And they're like, uh, we got an adult league going that we're getting ready to well, – we got games tonight. <laughs> they were like – and Sinzel was like, uh, well, can we sign up for the <laughs> for the adult league? We're not, we're not playing right now. And the guy goes, no, 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 we're full. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good. So they went out and like uh, way past the the outfield, you know, and just were just hitting balls off a tee and goofing around. They were trying to hit. There was a, a a light pole. They were trying to hit the light pole with the you know the ball hitting it off a tee. This is what goes for baseball entertainment these days, I guess. <laughs> now, did you watch the wiffle ball game? I did, you know, and I I was very excited by that because I was you know jonesing for baseball and I, I I thought it was a great idea. I ended up donating some money to. The, the charity, I think, to help the ball, you know, the ballpark employees that it was a great idea. I don't know if the execution was was what I was expecting, I guess. I thought we were going to see what well, I think the problem was I really only recognized like three guys and there was nobody kind of saying who was who or why the why anything was happening. It was just kind of a bunch of guys screwing around. <laughs> right, right. And it would have been a lot of fun if I'd have known who the people were. And because I was the same way, I couldn't. I watched a, about an inning because I was like, well, I, I don't know who's, I don't know who that is batting. I don't recognize a lot of these guys. I recognize Bauer and I recognize Dietrich, and that was about it. Yeah. So, oh well, fun idea, I guess. Well, we're, as you can tell, we're struggling for things to talk about here on Red Leg Nation Radio in the middle of the shutdown of baseball. And so, what we've done here, 
is we've put together a 64 team quote unquote bracket. And Chris and I are going to go through this. This is the, uh, uh, maybe we'll call it red leg sadness or something, uh, March sadness. I don't know, but it's, uh, we have seeded 64, just like an NCAA tournament bracket, uh, of the most obscure reds in recent memory. Now, let me tell you how these names were, uh, we were acquired. Yeah. It was post all post 75. Uh, and I tried to stay with people that we had, uh, seen or had some, uh, you know, knowledge of obviously, although some of these guys were, I'm, you're not going to remember, but, uh, and, uh, and seated them all in four regions. Now the four regions are, uh, the Jerry Naren region, the Vern Rapp region, the Dave Miley region and the Jim Riggleman region. And we are going to figure out who is, I don't know, our favorite, I guess that's what it is. It's just our favorite obscure former red. Are you excited for this, Chris? I'm very excited. And now are those the four reds managers with the lowest winning percentages in the history of the franchise? You know, probably actually, if you looked at it, uh, <laughs> pretty, it, pretty rough. They're going to be close. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I wanted to go with the Ray Knight region and I just couldn't stand to write his name down. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. So, Chris, I want to ask you your, your opinions on the four number one seeds here. Uh, the number one seed in the Jerry Naren bracket, Lisa Alberto Bonilla. Clearly a number one seed, right? Sure, sure. In the That's da- like the Duke of this this exercise. That's not a very nice thing to say about Lisa Alberto. Huh? The number one seed in the Dave Miley region, the legend, Ryan LaVarnway. It's a bit surprising, but the selection committee liked his work. You think he's a little overseeded, huh? Well, I think he's just, he's, uh, you know, he doesn't have the track record that some of these other guys have, but, um, you know, big, big, big impact in his time in Cincinnati. <laughs> big, big impact. No question. Now, the uh, Vern Rapp region, number one seed. This one I thought was a little surprising when the when the committee came out with this. I think you probably saw the, the reveal on CBS. Um, and it really surprised me. And, uh, and he was actually, the, this was the number one overall seed, Mo Sanford. Yeah, that was surprising, but you know, he's earned it. He, he has, I mean, you gotta look at his body of work, right? You look at his strength of schedule. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Um, and then that was in the Vern Rapp region in the Jim Ruggleman region, the number one seed, Paul Householder. As that's, that's pure chalk right yeah, there. That's chalk. That's chalk. So, um, you ready to dig through this? Uh, <laughs> Let's hit it. Any any thoughts before we begin on how we how we're gonna choose our uh, favorite? I I think we'll know it when we see it. <laughs> all right. Let's just go straight with the Jerry Naren bracket. Now all the first round games then Jerry Naren bracket number one seed, and we're going top to bottom from the left uh, top corner of the bracket. Lisa Alberto Bonilla, the one seed versus a pretty strong sixteen seed, Giovanni Gallardo. Yeah, that's a blowout. Gallardo is uh, really his his performance was so poor and irritating that he's hardly obscure yeah, and so recent. So I'm going with Lisa Alberto in that one. So he was so bad that it made him so memorable that he's not actually as obscure as you need to be to be in this tournament. That's what you're saying. Sounds like and that's what I'm saying for this matchup, and I may change my mind next one. All right, he was pretty bad, but yeah, we're gonna have to go with uh, Lisa Alberto. Bonilla. I mean, that's like a 28-point win. It's a, like University of Kentucky versus Wright State. I think it was close to the last couple of innings, and then Gallardo blew it in the, at the end, <laughs> I believe. That's the way I see it happening. 8-9 matchup. Tough 8-9 matchup here. Number 8 seed Jason Romano versus uh, number 9 seed Sal Butera. 
And you're going to hear us, uh, <laughs> you're going to hear us, uh, poking on our computers. Both of us are doing it at the same time because we got to look up some of these guys just to remind us a little bit about them because some of these are really, uh, obscure now do you remember either of those guys from when they were here yeah yeah definitely i mean romano i remember because dusty baker played him more than he should have is is that's at least my uh my recollection i mean he he managed a 484 ops and then got invited back to be on the reds the next year <laughs> that's pretty difficult to do that 154 batting average wasn't great no, not great, Bob. <laughs> not great. Well, a little Madman reference there. Yeah. Um, Sal Butera, of course, was a catcher. He played for the Reds all the way back in 1987. Second place team. Only got 12 plate appearances. Uh, 86 as well. He was on in 86. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, so. was a, he was Bo Diaz's backup, I believe. Yeah. Oh, man. Talk about claim to fame. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, again, I have, I have more pleasant memories of Sal Butera than I do uh, Jason Romano. But I don't know that that's the deciding factor. Uh, but well, you know, time has faded some of. Uh, plus, uh, plus Butera's got a pretty cool name, Sal Butera. But what about this? These are two guys who played. To see, Romano played in the big leagues uh, in parts of four seasons. Looks like Butera played in the major leagues in parts of uh, nine years. Wow, a little longer career. Butera negative one point two wins above replacement for his career, and Romano in half the career time negative one point four wins above replacement. <laughs> Yikes. So who are we going with here? Uh, he was uh let's go with uh let's go with Romano. Keep him alive. Oh tee really? Him up, tee him up for tee him up for uh Doom against Lisa Verto. Man, I thought for sure you were gonna go Salbutera there, but yeah, we'll go with Jason Romano. Number five seed Van Snyder versus the number two excuse me, number twelve seed Dave Van Gorder. Now you know these twelve five matchups always uh ripe for an upset. Uh, Van Snyder, I, th I thought he was a guitarist for some, wasn't he a guitarist for some uh, band in the eighties? I believe you're, you're, uh, con confusing Van Halen and D Snyder of Christmas sister, which would have been quite easily the greatest and first super group in rock history. <laughs> it would have been absolutely. Um, so uh, Van Snyder, of course, he was uh, played for the Reds in uh, 1988 and 89. 19 games, 36 plate appearances, all for Cincinnati. That was his entire major league career. Um, he came up at age 24. And I remember having a uh, in my mind, oh, this guy, you know, young guy coming up. He's supposed to be pretty good, right? And he, he, wasn't, he wasn't good. He, he, was, he did not have a good career. Van Gorder, you know, played uh, parts of three different seasons, four different seasons for the Reds. Actually, he was a he was a he was like the backup to Dan Billardello and Alan Nicely and uh, a cast of thousands. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to talk obscure former Reds, the strongest conferences are traditionally uh, backup catchers from the '80s and uh, starting pitchers from the early 2000s. And those are really the SEC and the Big East of right. uh, obscure former Reds. Seems to me like the committee really underseated Van Gorder in this one at twelve seed. Yeah, this is an easy this is an easy upset. They said they did not give uh, Snyder any favors. You know, he had a good season and he earned that five, but then he got teed up with with the buzzsaw and Dave Van Gorder. Yeah, Dave Van Gorder coming through the big first upset of the of the tournament in that twelve five matchup. Now here's one: Chad Matola, the number four seed, versus Steve Christmas, the number thirteen seed. Now we remember Chad Matola for one reason. He's not Derek Jeter. He was drafted before Derek Jeter, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a 
that was the first of many, many, many rough draft picks that I can recall from, I guess, the Bowden era. Yeah. Steve Christmas. Now, he was a uh, he was a Red in the early 80s, again, 1983. He and played, he played? Uh, well, how many games? He played 19, oh. uh, nine games. What position you mean? Backup catcher. Backup catcher. Absolutely. And uh, really an unfortunate picture on baseball reference. I'm disappointed that's the best picture they could find <laughs> of Steve Christmas. <laughs> it looks like a surveillance camera. <laughs> and he was uh, trying to pass for Ron Robinson. <laughs> he does look like he's trying to pass for Ron Robinson. He's sneaking into like, the, the supply closet, stealing some post-it notes. And they caught him on the, on the uh, surveillance camera. Nine games, 17 at-bats, 059 batting average. One for 17, Steve. Yeah. Uh, still, you know, stuck around and played for both uh, Chicago teams in, to finish out his career. Uh, great season in 1984 for the uh, White Sox, though. 364 <laughs> batting average. Yeah, four for 11. <laughs> right, four for 11. Wow, and didn't play in baseball the next year. So, uh, so Steve Christmas with that uh, great picture, or uh, or or Van, not Van Snyder, Chad Matola. Chad, I'm not Derek Jeter Matola. Who you got here? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Steve Christmas. Another upset. Wow. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with you. We'll go with Steve Christmas. Plus, you know, he only, made, I think really, he was a surprise to make the field in my mind. I think he made just it. Just, happy to be here. Well, just because of his name mostly is why he made it. And yeah. uh, he's showing that he's more than just a, just a great name. Six seed Steven Smitherman versus 11 seed Reggie Jefferson. Do you remember either of these particularly well? Uh, wasn't Reggie Jefferson traded for someone important? Well, I can find out here. I've got him pulled up. Let's see. Um, Reggie Jefferson was traded, uh, yeah, for some very important, uh, Tim Costo. Oh, of course, yeah. Who could ever forget that? No, but, but Is later, Tim Costo in the field? <laughs> yeah. Uh, later, uh, Tim Costo, I'm not sure. He was on the short list. He, was, he might have been the first four out. I can't remember. We'll find out as we go through here. Uh, <laughs> he didn't make it out of Dayton, is all you're that's saying? That's right, yeah. Uh, in 1993, the, after the Reds traded him to the Indians, the Indians traded him to the Mariners with Felix Fermin for Omar Vizquel. So that's probably what uh, you're remembering, yeah. That's probably is, yeah. Now, Reggie Jefferson is an obscure former Red in that he played five games for the Reds, but he actually play, ended up playing nine years um, and had, you know, some uh, not awful seasons. He's probably, you know... He shouldn't be an 11 seed, I don't think. No. Uh, you know, I he, just want to say Smitherman. <laughs> Steven Smitherman. Now, I do. I, I don't remember much of Reggie Jefferson. I remember when he was, he was with the Reds. Uh, well, I don't remember when he was with the Reds. I remember when he was in the majors. Um, he came up with the Reds at age 22 and was traded uh, pretty shortly thereafter. But I remember thinking he was going to be good. Steven Smitherman, I, you know, I'm looking at him on baseball reference now, and that is not who I had pictured in my head. That does not look no. like the Steven Smitherman in my head. I was thinking of a guy that looked more like, uh, I don't know, uh, D.T. Cromer. <laughs> but uh, Steven Smitherman was supposed to, wasn't he like a big power hitter in the minor leagues? He had a, a year in the minor leagues or something where he was like an incredible power hitter, it seems like. Uh, and uh, the Reds thought, well, maybe he can be, he used to be a bench guy. And he, he never he never was. Let's see his home run numbers. Yeah, he hit. No, let's see. Yeah, he was hitting a lot. I mean, you know, at, at low, he had twenty home runs at Dayton yeah. in a short season, and yeah, he yeah forty five yeah, doubles, thirty six doubles the next year. Look yeah. like yeah, yeah, he was slugging five hundred, you know, at the low levels, and then just was like yeah, that happens to some people, you know. 
That happened to me when I got out of T-ball and, and went into Little League. Um, yeah, I just couldn't handle the, the pace of the game at that point. But, uh, yeah, he played uh, 40, uh, 21 games at age 24. Never played in the big leagues again. That's yeah, that's interesting. You come up to the big leagues at age 24, you probably think, all right, you know, I got a chance at a real career here, and then never sniff the major leagues again. I think we go with uh, Smitherman here. Uh, you think? I'm with you. Yeah, sure. I so. Plus, I want to hear you say his name again later. So, all right. Speaking of names, one of my favorites in, in history, and, and a number three seed, really probably could have been a number two, but uh, he's a number three in the Jerry Naren region, Vladimir Ballantine. And he's going up against the 14 seed, Jay Tibbs. They call me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> uh, well, it's quite a matchup. <laughs> it is a good matchup. Jay Tibbs, uh, you know, he came over from the Expos, or did he go to the Expos after Cincinnati? Yeah, he went to, to the Expos. I think- yeah, I think he was a Reds draft pick. Yes, he was. And he was, uh, no, he was a Mets draft pick. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, he's a Reds minor leaguer, right? Yeah, he was a Reds minor leaguer. He was traded while he was in the minors uh, in the deal that the Reds acquired Bruce Barrini. And then uh, the Reds traded him. Uh, that's, here we go. Oh, it's all coming back around. The Reds traded him with Dan Bellardello, Andy McGaffigan, and John Stuper <laughs> to the Montreal Expos for Sal Butera and Bill Gullickson. That could be the final four right there. That whole trade could be <laughs> right. the, the final four for this thing. Yeah, Bill Dell, Gaffigan, John Stuper, and, and Sal Butera. Oh, that's great. So uh, now, I mean, the, the, they. The, I'm sorry, but the names of players in the '80s they do not make players like Andy McGaffigan or John Stuper anymore. They just don't. You're right. You're right. And I, I've often uh, remarked how. You know, batting stances aren't. They used to have great batting stances back in the day. You know, you're never going to see a guy hitting like Eric Davis ever again. Uh, nowadays, everybody's got you know, just they're all technically uh, look similar, somewhat similar. But you're right. I didn't thought about it in terms of names. You know, there's no, there are no, uh, there are no John Stoopers or, or even Vladimir Ballantines. He wasn't the '80s. No, Dennis Lamps. Dennis Lamp. Yeah. Ballantine. Uh, here's another sad story. You know, he came up at age 22 with the Mariners. And uh, played with played for them until uh, '09. He was uh, traded to the Reds for the immortal Robert Man- Manuel Manuel. I, I, I think it was Manuel. I believe. Yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, played with the Reds for 40 games, and and that was that was that. Never played again. again played ages 22, 23, 24, and never played again. Oh no 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 no! He has played again. Never played again in fight. America. Thank you. You're right. Yeah. I mean, he is one of the best hitters in the Japanese professional leagues over the last nine years. He's hit 288 home runs and uh, has a 936 OPS in Japan. Yeah, 2010 at age 25, he was with the Louisville Cincinnati organization and hit 282, had 25 home runs. Not a bad year, actually. Next year, he's playing with the Yakult Swallows. And uh, hit 31 home runs. And you're right. He has been a consistently powerful hitter uh, in Japan. Well, yeah. You know, he, he couldn't he couldn't beat out Johnny Gomes on the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> so that's why he had to go to uh, Japan. So does his, uh, the fact that he's gone on to greater heights, I think that probably puts him over the top in this one because he was an obscure Red, but he turned into a legend elsewhere. Oh, yeah. I think so, he's got a great story there. So Yeah, we're going to go with uh, Vladimir. Plus, it's uh, is it Vladimir or is it Vladimir? I, I was hoping you knew. <laughs> I've always called him Vladimir, but there's a W at the beginning. Maybe it's Vladimir. 
See, because it looks like two Vs. I think it's like when the, they had the uh, the Declaration of Independence and there was a bunch of Fs in there that are supposed to be S's. <laughs> yes, yes. I saw the actual Declaration of uh, Independence the, this year. I went to the National Archives. And, uh, yeah, they, they didn't know how to spell. In Congress. <laughs> in Congress, yes, right. Um, that really bothered me in an inordinate amount when I was in uh, in school. <laughs> you know, it really, really bothered me that our founding fathers, who we had so much respect for, couldn't spell. At least that's the way it seemed to me. Now, all right, so we are at the final two matchups in the Jerry Naren region. We have the number seven seed, Norris Hopper, versus the number 10 seed, Gino Mignatelli. Norris Hopper is remembered by me for one thing and one thing only. Bunting? <laughs> Bunting. That's the... <laughs> Oh boy, he's a Norris it's, Hopper could bunt. It's not even. It's not even technically that Norris Hopper is known for bunting. Norris Hopper is known for being talked about for right, bunting. Right, right. Yeah, it's just it's. Crazy. He was constant. Well, Norris Hopper should be bunting more. Yeah, you know, Norris Hopper's a real weapon with these bunts. Yeah, get him in the lineup. Let him lay down a bunt. <laughs> you know, I swear it seemed like that was the narrative around that guy. And Norris just, Hopper, if he just just bunting alone, he'd hit two forty. <laughs> right, exactly. And actually, he might have. He hit three sixteen in three seasons for the Reds, uh, and all all of his singles, every single one of them were on bunts. It was amazing. <laughs> it was a different time. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what ever happened to Norris Hopper, but uh, he does have a pretty good story uh, with the bunting. But now Gino Mignotelli. Did pitch two games for the uh, Wire to Wire Reds of 1990. He's got a ring. I mean, that's something. I don't know if he has a ring. Surely he has a ring. He does, does a... Every... Yeah. Does everybody get a ring? I mean, I know there's a, always a big deal about who gets the the share of the money, but the rings they probably just hand out, right? Like candy. Although, 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 who was buying the rings? Oh, if it was Marge Shot buying them, you're right. Gino Minutelli did not get one. If that's the case, you yeah. know, you pitch one he... inning and give up a one earned run and walk two guys. Uh, you probably you probably don't deserve a ring. Like maybe a patch. <laughs> Give him some sort of a patch that he can iron onto his favorite T-shirt. <laughs> maybe a plaque. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, but uh, maybe a, maybe a plastic trophy like they give to the T-ball kids. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, good. Gino so, but you know, Gino Mignotelli got to say one of the better names in the field. Sure, I think if, if Gino Mignotelli had come around, or or if this if you'd been doing a podcast. In the late '80s, early '90s, I think Gino Minatelli would be the his generation's Lisa Verito Bonilla. Oh yeah, probably so, probably so. You know, my favorite thing about Gino Minatelli was uh, that they based up one of the characters in Goodfellas off him. Did you know that? <laughs> I don't true. believe that. Yeah. I don't believe that's true. I think it's true. I think so. We watched it again the other night. Gino <laughs> Minatelli. Uh, but <laughs> see the guy in, in the ended up in the the freezer truck. <laughs> he, he was that guy. Yes, yes. Really a disappointing end to a promising career for Gino Minutelli who did not get a ring we've determined um, so but but can he overcome the bunting heroics of Norris Hopper I'm not sure I don't know when you go back and talk about those uh, baseball reference pictures I, Gino Minutelli's I, I, I cannot believe that's really him <laughs> it looks like somebody from 19 you know 58 or something it completely does it looks like a <laughs> baseball card from the 1967 Reds yeah. It's crazy. That's what I thought. That cannot be him, actually. There's no way that's him. No, I don't think so. I mean, I was alive in 19... Although, actually, that is him. And here's how I can tell. I'm doing a little detective work here, Chris Garber. If you notice in the picture, he's the cap he's wearing has a mesh back. <laughs> and Marge Shot got them the mesh back caps for spring training because they were cheaper. 
<laughs> well, I, I'm sure that's the case, but I <laughs> don't you think they probably had the mesh back caps back in the sixties too? I don't know. I just remember there being a story that Marge shot one and it liked them because they were cheaper. <laughs> that's great. So, uh, I don't know. I'm Somebody going to write a book about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, really? I'm going with Norris Hopper. What do you think? Sold. All right. Norris Hopper moves on to the second round. Now the two fifteen matchup, really strong two seed here. Probably should have gotten a number one seed, but uh, you know I'm not going to argue with the committee. They have a t- difficult uh, task every year. Number two seed Junior Kennedy versus Pat Pasillo, number fifteen seed Pat Pasillo. Now I'll tell you what I remember about Pat, Pat Pasillo, and you can tell me if you remember anything about either of these guys. But Pat Pasillo, if I remember correctly, and I believe I do, um, he was had a baseball card in the 19, I want to say 80, would have been the 85? 85 set. Wasn't he on the Olympic? The, the U.S. Olympic Olympic, cards? Same ones that yeah. Mark McGuire had his uh, record yeah, card. He the was same one, team that, what, Barry Larkin was cut from. <laughs> right, exactly. But Pat Pasillo got a baseball card on that. So, yeah, but 85 tops. Uh, if you remember that baseball card, the Pat Pasillo card. And they should really probably have that. He should probably actually call up baseball reference and say, hey, hey, can you put that my baseball card right there? It's a much better memory because uh, oh. for the Reds, you know, he had 18 games over two seasons at age ages 23 and 24, and not much there. But uh, but he was a high draft pick though, right? Drafted First five round? picks, five yes, number five overall, five picks ahead of Mark McGuire, <laughs> yeah. seven picks ahead of Oda B. McDowell. Surely not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Terry Mulholland, Norm Charlton also picked in that later in that first round. Uh, Greg Maddox was the second round pick of the Cubs that year. Tom Glavin also picked in that draft. Al Leiter. You could do that. And the Reds dra- got Pat Pasillo. <laughs> you could do that with every draft, but really, we got we got Pat Pasillo. Uh, Mo Sanford also taken in that draft. Ooh, Mo Sanford, outstanding. Junior Kennedy was drafted 10th overall in the 1968 amateur draft by the Baltimore Orioles out of Arvin, California, which is evidently a town in California. Now, Junior Kennedy actually played uh, five different years, uh, parts of five different years with Cincinnati, those late 70s teams that when they were still kind of struggling to be the big red machine, through the through the 81 best record in baseball team. And really the Reds became awful just about the moment that Junior Kennedy left town. <laughs> <laughs> Could look at it that way. I mean, you think about how bad it would have sucked to be Junior Kennedy. I mean, you're a guy who's who's a legitimate major league player. You know what I mean? You're, you're, sure. You're, he could play. I mean, he hit, he hit okay. He could play three infield positions. And you're on a team that you're behind. The people who, who play the positions you play are Pete Rose, Dave Concepcion, and Joe Morgan. <laughs> Oops. And he's just sitting there getting older every year. Thinking like, can can you trade me, please? <laughs> Somewhere, can I go? Can I go to the Padres, maybe? And it, you also have to feel bad about him uh, for this. If you're going to be on in an organization with those guys, you know there could be a benefit to it. You know, uh, playoffs, World Series. Well, uh, he made his debut in 1974, uh, and then didn't play for the in the majors for the next three years. So he missed out on the two World Series uh, winners mm-hmm. for Just the Reds, grinding it out the Indianapolis Indians. That's right. So Junior Kennedy, uh, it's kind of a sad story there. Another good name. Who, we, we go with the we go with the the favorite here, the two C Junior Kennedy over Pat Pasillo, or what? What's yep. your thoughts? Junior Kennedy. I think I'm a, so. I'm a junior guy. Yeah, we're gonna go with Junior Kennedy. Now Junior Griffey did not make this field. You can't believe did, that. 
No, Craig Griffey? <laughs> Craig Griffey should have. Craig Griffey did not, and neither did Stephen Larkin or Pete Rose Jr. Um, all right, so now we're going to move on to the Dave Miley region. The number one seed, as we said, uh, this, is a, this is a good one. And this is, I don't know, I'm looking to hear your thoughts. Ryan LaVarnway, the number one seed, versus the number 16 seed, Corky Miller. Battle of catchers. You know, I, I look, I hate to do this to you. I mean, I really, really hate to do <laughs> no, this to you. No, no, you're not. But you have put Corky Miller in the UMBC <laughs> spot here. You think so? Oh, this is an, I mean, this is an, it's, and it's going to be like that. LeVarn Way is going to lose by 20. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, but it's but, not even just going to happen. Oh, well, let me, let, hear me out on this one. All right. All right. Corky, Corky, Miller. Corky Miller has ridden a goofy mustache to <laughs> more fame and opportunities in baseball than anyone in the history of the game. And I'm sick of Corky Miller. That's I, a I, lie. That's my hot we'll take. Stand for it. We'll stand for it. Not even Paul Doherty would write something like that. <laughs> wow, we got the one sixteen upset. I think so. Okay. You know, Corky Miller had he went two full seasons in a row without getting a hit. <laughs> now he was only he was only over sixteen in the major leagues, but he went two years between he left the Reds in two thousand four when he had one hit, and his next hit was not until two thousand seven in Atlanta. <laughs> really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, Corky Miller. Man, I hate to do that, but okay, Ryan Lavarnway, I'm sorry if you're listening, but just know this. What this means now that you you went down as number one seed, you're gonna win this tournament next year. <laughs> Here you go. All right. Now my favorite eight nine matchup, and I'll tell you why it's my favorite, uh, is the number eight seed DT Cromer versus the number nine seed Mike Costanzo. And, and the reason this is my favorite <laughs> is because I'm really pretty sure these are the same guy. I was just going to say, I don't, if you could tell me which one is which, if you could put these two pictures next to each other <laughs> and tell me with confidence which guy is which, I don't think I'd believe you. <laughs> Although Mike Costanzo has quite a tan. He does have an excellent tan. You think that's uh, that's real? I don't know. It looks like maybe a little... Uh... It looks like a, I think he went out to spring training a, a few weeks early. I think he may have laid in his tanning bed in his mom's garage. No. In wherever he's from, um, Radnor, Pennsylvania. There you go. Uh, both, both. If you look them up on Baseball Reference, both are listed as positions: pinch hitter and first baseman. And you, and you know, when the first position listed as pinch hitter, you've really made your mark on the game. Yeah. They both batted left-handed. They're both six-two. Um, you know, Cromer has a positive uh, wins above replacement, while Costanzo is minus point six. There you go. So they combined for negative point uh, two, but. Cromer batted 308 in his career. Costanzo batted 56. <laughs> well, Cromer, <laughs> now Cromer, he didn't make it to the big leagues till 29, but he was one of these guys that had the reputation of being a professional hitter in the minors. Yeah, I, yeah, quadruple A type guy. Is yeah, that what the, yeah. they used to call him? He went on to play for uh, the Nippon, what are they, Ham Fighters in Ooh. Japan? Ham. Yeah, mm, ham. For a couple of years, but. Uh, Never amounted to Vladimir Ballantin levels. Now, Mike Costanzo, what I remember about him is that uh, the Reds were so bad during the time that Costanzo was in Cincinnati. And we're talking about 2000 and 
well, actually, 2012, they weren't they bad. They were bad. good that year. <laughs> they were the best team they've had. It's a pretty good team. 97 wins. Yeah. I was thinking it was a bad year because we had nothing else to talk about other than Costanzo coming up. And we were debating. He wanted everyone to call him. Uh, he wanted one nickname. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now I've forgotten the joke that we used to make. Called him Can't Stand You? <laughs> yeah, he wanted to be called uh, something, and they called him Coco. Coco the Gorilla. You remember that episode? <laughs> George Costanza. I don't know. The jerk store, just called. I don't know. Oh, man. So do we move on DT Cromer because he's the only person we've ever heard with that goes by the initials DT or Costanzo because there's lots of funny uh, Seinfeld jokes. I, I'm a totally uh, a DT Cromer. And and a little known DT Cromer fact, his brother, uh, Trip Cromer, was, uh, was also a major leaguer. And uh, his his middle name is Bunyan. No, Roy Bunyan Cromer the third. So, <laughs> so there are two other. <laughs> there are two other Roy Bunyan Cromers. Oh my goodness! Could be a fourth now somewhere. Oh, let's Quad, hope not. Yeah. Quad Cromer Quad. coming to the major league soon. Yeah. All right, we'll move on. DT Cromer. So long, uh, Costanza. We barely knew you. We'll let him go back and be the assistant to the traveling secretary after this stunning loss. Number five seed Burke Badenhop. Versus number 12 seed, Willie Bloomquist. Now, Burke Badenhop was actually a sometimes effective pitcher in the big leagues um, and somewhat effective with the Reds the last year of his career. Willie Bloomquist is known for being fast and for somehow playing 14 years in the majors, despite the fact that he really couldn't hit. Um, and his only year with the Reds, I think he was on the playoff roster, if I remember correctly, of the 2010 I- Reds. I, I I don't remember if he's on the playoff. I just remember he was like the big. No, you know what? I don't think so. Because it says here they got him in September 13th, which makes me wonder what the heck they were doing. <laughs> adding a player in the middle of September when he couldn't be on the playoff roster. Well, I'm going to pull it up here. I've got the roster here. And uh, what did we say his name was? Bloomquist. Yeah, I don't show it. I think maybe there was a good, an injury or something. I thought that's the reason I thought that. And maybe they talked about putting him on the roster when someone. Got injured? I don't know. Maybe not. I don't see him on there. He could have been over on there over Lance Nix, though. Oy. Lance Nix. He almost made this field. That, he was one of the first four out. Um, was not a fan. Now, in terms of names, Burke Badenhop's got a... That's, he's ridden that to a number five seed. Um, I think we probably have to go for Badenhop over over Bloomquist, though Badenhop was a, was a decent player 2015 yeah, for the Reds. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're going to go with Burke here. Okay. Number four seed, another great name. Number four seed, Skeeter Barnes versus the number 13 seed, Dave Sapelt. Is that, is, is that how you pronounce that? I, I've never, was that I never, never know. Sure? Yeah. I just know we got really, really mad about Dave Sapelt not getting his chance. <laughs> right, when he got he really traded with mad. Travis Wood, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In that deal. Um, was that the deal for uh, Sean Marshall? Yeah, Sean Marshall. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Sean Marshall sure. still, uh, I think, still recovering. He just had a setback, but he should. John Faye's got an update on him. Yeah, he'll be throwing off, off. He and, he and Nick uh, Massett will be throwing off a mound soon. <laughs> uh, now, Sapelt, just 33 years old, so he can still play. Um, I mean, he couldn't yeah, play. I don't know where. He played play Monopoly. Yeah, he couldn't play much when he was 26, so I doubt he could when he was 33, but he was a ninth-round draft choice of the Reds in 2008 and played for the Reds in parts of 2011, 2012, 2013. And, yeah, he was, he was for some reason, we thought he was going to be great. And when he was traded 
to the Cubs with Travis Wood and that Sean Marshall deal, a lot of people, including me probably, were like, I don't know, man, I think that guy can help us. Skeeter Barnes, I don't remember, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I I don't remember the person, I remember the name. Yeah, I remember the name, that's it. Uh, he played in 83 and 84, two memorable Reds teams. Well, 84 was a, a fun year, some somewhat. Um, oh, he came back in 89, too, so he had two stints as an obscure former Red. Five. That's a... Can't keep can't keep him away. Yeah. So who do we go here? I'm gonna let you make the call. Uh, I'm gonna go with Skeeter. Got to go with Skeeter. Better name. I'm just per- perusing Dave Sapelt's Twitter feed right now. He has a blue check, by the way. <laughs> Is that right? Wow. Yeah, he does. He he retweets a lot of people. <laughs> does he retweet me? Uh, no, I don't think so. You know, I have uh, the notification. He has opinions, though. <laughs> oh, good, good. That's great. Um. I have the notifications turned off on my Twitter because it's because it's madness, and I don't want to know what's going on, on Twitter most of the time. I want to, I'll look at it when I want to look at it, but otherwise, no. And for, for some reason, I started getting uh, notifications uh, today or yesterday, and I got a notification today that I was followed by, uh, oh gosh, now I can't remember his name. He was some garbage Reds pitcher that I thought was going to be great in the nine era two thousands. Uh, Etherton, Seth Etherton, Seth, Seth Etherton, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's a pitching coach in the Reds organization now. So uh, sorry that he. Has to, I don't know. I think I'm going to quit Twitter. I think the website is the worst. All right, let's go next round. Number six seed Chris Rietzma versus number 11 seed Micah Owings. Now, I'm not sure either of these really qualify too much as obscure. I mean, Rietzma was a, fir- was a uh, first-round pick, and not by the Reds, but, uh, you know, Rietzma pitched how many games for the Reds? Uh, he was a couple years there. He was a... I don't think we could say he distinguished himself as a Red. No, but 125 appearances on the mound... Yeah, he was 22 a and 32. Pretty regular guy there. And that was those uh, teams that were after Griffey that we thought were going to be good and never were. That awful trick. pitching staff. He was he was acquired for Dante Bichette and moved for Young Bong. Oh, Young Bong. Yeah, outstanding. Uh Young Bong's got to be playing in like Colorado now, right? How, yeah, you know how didn't they I thought somebody said earlier that the Reds have never had an Asian player, but were they just saying they never had a chi- uh, Japanese player? I think it was Japanese. Never signed anyone okay. out of Japan, yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. Now, Micah Owings, he came to the Reds in a trade that it was just a horrific, horrific trade for the Reds. Um, on August 11th of 2008, the Diamondbacks sent uh, players to be named later and Dallas Buck, a minor league player, to the Reds for Adam Dunn and Cash. And one of those players to be named later ended up being Micah Owens. Why would the Reds have traded Adam Dunn, the greatest player in the history of baseball? It was a mistake. It was a mistake. Uh, Micah Owens, memorable to me only because he was like the uh, much less athletic uh, Michael Lorenzen. Yes, yes. He supposedly could hit really well. And he did hit some for the Reds. Uh, I'll see how he did. Eh, 283 average uh, in 219 plate appearances. Yeah, he had a few home runs. Yeah. Nine homers in his career. Eh, you know, 502 slugging percentage. He's no Brooks Kieschnick. <laughs> oh, man. Dare to dream. Wouldn't we all like to be Brooks Kieschnick? So this one is my least favorite matchup of the uh, of the first round. And I, 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 I think I'm going to go with Micah Owings. Okay. You okay with that? Yeah, I'm good with that. All right, why not? Um, now, here we go. 
this one really tests the, the the credibility of this bracket and of committee's choices. Number three seed here in the Miley bracket, Miley region, Billy Bates against the all-time four- stolen base leader at the University of Texas. Exactly, his number fourteen seed that he's uh, facing, Jose Arredondo. Oh, what a fun name! It, it was a fun name, but now is if we're talking obscure Reds, um, are we really? I mean, Billy Bates was scored one of the biggest runs in the history of yeah, the franchise. Well, this is the, you know, this is the uh, perpetual uh, armbrister question. Ed Armbrister? Yeah. yeah. If you're involved in, in one giant moment for the team, can you be an obscure player? Yeah. It's been I mean, debated for decades. It's true. It's true. And we wouldn't ever remember who Armbrister was if it wasn't for uh, being involved in that. And, and uh, you know, Bates was very similar in a highlight that you're going to see over and over and over scoring that winner run in game two of the uh, 1990 World Series. Um, I mean, he's got to beat Jose Arredondo, though, right? Although Arredondo, it's you're right, it's fun to say, and he had a 2.95 ERA in his final season with the Reds. Ah, uh, let's go with Bates. Yeah, we got to go with Billy Bates. He rounded third and headed for home. All right, number seven seed John. I raced a cheetah. He did race a cheetah. That's true. It's not very obscure though, but the game's over. Move on. Yeah, he's already, he's won. He qualified. Listen. You can argue with the committee if you want. Don't talk to me. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I question his selection here. Number seven seed, John Vanderwall versus uh, number 10 seed, Willie Green. Now, Willie Green, in the mid-'90s, I was convinced was the next great Cincinnati Red. Uh, you know, Willie Green is – he is one of those guys who was perpetually asked if he was ever going to figure it out. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, it turns out that he wasn't able to. No, there are a lot of comparisons with Willie Green when Edwin Encarnacion was struggling at third base for the Reds later. You know, is he going to flame out like uh, well, Willie Green? But Willie Green had some good times. You know, he hit uh, 26 home runs as a 25-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I Willie Green, to me, it was like the opposite because they used to say that kind of stuff about Eric Davis when he was coming oh, up yeah. and down his first year or two. So I was convinced that anybody who was young and made the major leagues and and Marty complained about was going to turn out to be awesome. <laughs> Most of the time that happened. Well, it happened once and then it didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. Well, it happened with, uh, it happened with Johnny Cueto. Um, it happened with Johnny Cueto. It happened with Encarnacion. It did, most certainly did not happen with Willie Green. It did not. He came up at age 20 in 1992. And, you know, you look at the, the first four years of his major league career, 104 plate appearances, 53 plate appearances, 44 plate appearances, 22 plate appearances. And he did not hit well in any of those stretches. And as I always say, you, at some point you got to grab the brass ring when it's in front of you. Um, and then he, you know, he hits uh, 19 home runs in his first uh, real playing time as a 24 year old, uh, with a pretty good year, 114 OPS plus. And the next year follows up with a similar year, 26 home runs, more, more plate appearances. And then, uh, and that was just about it. Baltimore, Toronto, Chicago, Cubs, and career over. I don't know. I felt like he had talent. Oh, for sure. Um, Vanderwall is one of those many midseason acquisitions who were supposed to hit for the Reds and and, uh, really didn't do a whole heck of a lot, right? You know when we get excited when they acquire somebody who, oh, he's going to be a really good uh, lefty bat off the bench. We're getting excited about these guys for some reason. I don't know why. Vanderwall, though, and he gets extra points, I think, in this matchup because Oasis actually wrote a song about him, I think. <laughs> That's true. So, Well, he was one of uh, – he ended his career at the Reds, so it was really the end of the line for Johnny V. 
Can he uh, can he defeat Willie Green in this one? Um, no, Willie yeah. Green yeah. advances. I think it's Willie Green, the 10 seed, uh, with an upset. Number two seed, Champ Summers, versus number 15 seed, Jason Bourgeois. Uh, this is a blowout. Uh, even, somehow, Jason Bourgeois got 250 at-bats as a red over two seasons. You know what I remember most about the Jason Bourgeois, though? No, I don't remember anything about him. I remember one thing, is that he was the center fielder that went back on Jay Bruce's home run on Clinchmas for the Astros. <laughs> so his, I only remember him as not as a red. So, yeah, that's Champ Summers. Okay, we got to run through these other brackets, and we're going to finish this thing next time, uh, Chris. We're not going to be able to finish this one today. Nope. Get the first round done. We'll get the first round done and finish it up later. Um, Vern Rapp, let's try to run through these as quick as we can. Mo Sanford versus number 16 seed, Wayne Krinchicki. I'm going to let you make the decision here. Mo Sanford, in a dominating performance, takes out Wayne Krinchicki in the first round. Number eight seed, Brandon Clawson versus number nine seed, Chris Denorfia. You remember both these players, I'm sure. I do, uh, I think. Now, Denorfia is not the guy who ran really fast around the bases, though, is he? <laughs> he, No, but I keep that's... Uh, that's, uh, oh gosh, what's that guy's name? I had him in my head. Because when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, wait, is he that guy? That's literally <laughs> what I was thinking. Uh, he was a guy that was, he was fast and he was supposed to be a pretty good player. No, that was, uh, oh, that guy A's played and, a long time, played for the A's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, good grief. How embarrassing. He's too obscure. Uh, no, Chris Norfio, I think, was a similar type player. And Norfio may have gone to the A's as well. He went somewhere and played for quite a while. I mean, he had a 10 year career. The Padres. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah, he was Oakland. definitely on the Padres. He yeah. was on the A's for a while. Yeah. So uh, he had a, a pretty good career. Started out a couple years with the Reds in 05 and 06. Clawson was a, a lefty who was, you know, during those years, we talked about the junior done years, when the Reds just had to have some pitching and they would be fantastic. And uh, he came over from the Yankees as, as a top prospect. And we thought, oh, man, finally, we're going to get somebody that can pitch. And he was never any good with the Reds, basically. They never had any good pitching except for Aaron Harang. Um, yeah, those guys were teammates on the 06 Reds, actually. Whoa. So the committee knew what they were doing here. This 8-9 matchup, teammates, come on. Um, I think I'm probably going to go with the 8 seed, Brandon Clawson, on this one. Sounds good to me. All right, Clawson. Uh, number 5 seed, Cal Pickering. <laughs> Calvin Pickering. <laughs> I love this 5-12 matchup. Versus number 12 seed, Tim Fortunio. <laughs> those, those are pretty good. I, I, uh, I, I had forgotten that either one of those guys played on the Cincinnati Reds. Now, Calvin Pickering, and remind, I may be, uh, I don't think I'm wrong. No, I'm the no now that I'm right that I'm looking at him. He was the guy who there was a story about the size of his, his waist, his pants. And it was like size 58 or something. I don't know, something crazy. He was this big, huge guy, but that hit balls a long I, way. You know, how, I feel like they're the, Maybe every team has these stories, but haven't there been a lot of stories about the size of guys' pants on the Reds? <laughs> there's not been enough, as far as like, I'm concerned. I know there's like there's there's a story about Lee Smith. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he had to get like I don't know Nuxall's pants or something, and I don't know. There's just a lot of big pants stories. <laughs> if, look, if you look, and folks at home, I encourage you to do this. Go to BaseballReference.com and look at the picture of Tim Fortuno. And then look at the picture of Kristen Orphia. It's the same dude. It's absolutely the same guy. I think it might be. I'm astounded. All Something sort of, weird is going on. 
I don't know. Fortunio looks like a guy who went with his uh, elderly dad to opening day game. He's taking a picture in the stands and <laughs> look <laughs> the park. Yeah, why does he have his team picture taken from the press box level? <laughs> oh, really? Or he's on it's a big a... ladder above the, the big A. Uh, I like Pickering. He was, came up as a big uh, home run hitter, supposedly out of the Orioles organization, and never really did. A big two six five two eighty three is what he's listed at. Man, big old some boy. big pants. <laughs> Those are some big pants to fill. Uh, but Tim Fortunio. Uh, that's a good name, Fortunio. I mean, that's pretty obscure. That's that's about as obscure a poll as you're ever going to find. 25 games in relief for the 1994 Reds. Do we have another 12-5 upset? What could have been? What could have been if that strike hadn't happened? All right. Who knows? Fortunio would have maybe gotten a ring that year. He might have been a playoff hero and an all-time. He could have been a Reds Hall of Famer. That's right. He might have been. You never know. Well, as it is, he's going to have to be satisfied with winning his first-round matchup in the Vern Rap region, I think, because he's moving on. 12-5 upset. Keeps dancing. <laughs> number four seed Mike Frank versus number 13 seed Steve Gibraltar. I do appreciate the effort you've put in to make these guys <laughs> absolutely <laughs> redundant as possible. These matchups. Oh, here's what I know about Mike Frank. I remember one thing about this guy. He played in one of those seasons, and we're going we're gonna to find it here. Um, he played in one of those seasons where the Reds were just out of it early, and so he got a lot of... Uh, at bats near the end of the season. What year was that? Uh, 1998. So um, I remember, I remember the specific summer it was. And uh, the only thing that I remember about him though, other than he got 98 playing appearances in a season where it was lost at, at the end of the season was that he was part of the immortal outfield of uh, Dimitri Young, Mike Frank and Chris Steins, the young Frankenstein's <laughs> outfield. <laughs> That's beautiful. That is just truly great. <laughs> it is it's amazing. Yes. I love that. Steve Gibraltar was a guy. He certainly was. He, uh, yeah, he was a guy. That's all I got. Yeah. I got to look at his baseball reference page because if his nickname, they sometimes have nicknames in there. It does not have in his nickname. If his nickname wasn't The Rock, somebody's somebody's missed an opportunity there. Come Agreed. on. So uh, I think we, well, I don't know. Who do we go here? I think we go Mike Frank. Let's go Mike Frank. That's better. Mike Frank. All right. Uh, number six seed, Dane Sardina versus the number 11 seed, Carlos Fisher, Dane Sardina versus well, Carlos Sardina Fisher. was one of those Bowden first round picks where I, you know he probably played some kind of game where he, he didn't pick him until Tuesday or something so that he got him for fifty dollars less or right I don't know he's always and then Carlos Fisher apparently played parts of three years for the Reds and and not that long ago and I have no memory of it happening really wait wait uh, there's something kind of like. Pick somebody off and throw the ball into the stands or something? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. His nickname is Carlos. Oh, well, that's good. Oh, his first name is Charles. Okay. Really? That's what it says in baseball reference. That's interesting. Charles Edward Fisher. Named Carlos. That's, that nice. is something. He's from California. I just assumed he was like, you know, Dominican. Yeah. Or, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, here's what I know about Carlos Fisher. Uh, I think he... Maybe I'm misremembering this, but I think there was a game where uh, it might have been the last game of his career. Dusty Baker threw him for like he was the sacrificial lamb in one of these extra inning games that ended up. That's winning. what I remember. You're right. You're right. But that's not the most important uh, contribution he's made to Reds history. I pl I played in one of the uh, Reds Fest poker tournaments one year, the charity poker Ooh. tournaments, and I got matched up against Carlos Fisher and knocked him out. Way to go, Chad! Yeah, I know, right? I'm pretty great. Yeah, um, here it is, May 25th, 2011. He pitched five and two-thirds innings in a 19-inning game against the Phillies. Yeah. Uh, four hits, one earned run. 
Threw 95 pitches. And after after that season, never pitched again. At least not, yeah. in, not in the major leagues. So we, uh, what we go here? Carlos Fisher, you think? Sure. Upset? Because you mentioned Jim Bowden with Sardina, and I, I don't want to talk about him in the next round. Fair. Um, number three seed, Dan Bellardello, versus the number four seed, 14 seed, Mike Remlinger. That's a clear Bellardello. Yeah, it's clear. Uh, Remlinger had, uh, you know, he had a... Uh, Decent like, uh, run there for the Reds, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, but but he was, he had a, like a run with the Braves too, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a like I kind of remember him more. He's almost more a Brave. Yeah, yeah. So forget him. He's he can make the Braves bracket when they do that. Dan Bilardello. I think I think Bilardello is uh, he's just a three C, but I think he might be set up for a long run. Yeah, I think so too. Right yeah. Number seven seed Kelly Paris versus the number ten seed Esteban Yan. Well, Esteban Yan's another guy that I think of as, as being a, on a different team. I, I don't know what that team is, but I, I think it might be the Orioles. I don't know. I want to say the Rays. Was it maybe uh, the, the Tampa Bay Rays? Or am I either way. Esteban Loaiza. Could be. The 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 key here is for everyone to go to, again, look at the picture of Kelly Paris. <laughs> you know, he was... It, it's, He's like the uh, the the uh, prototype for Chris Sabo, I guess. <laughs> right. They Vert- kind of refined on the design and, and the, over the next couple of years. Chris Sabo 1.0, yeah. Yeah, and then like you know, and six or seven years later, they released the, the polished version. <laughs> no, you know, I, honestly, I'll be that that guy uh, was the uh, chemistry teacher and uh, the the volunteer coordinator for the audio visual department at my high school, and he went to fantasy camp one year and <laughs> and got that picture taken. That's not really a major league player. There's no I- way. I want to, he does a baseball card, 1984 tops card. That's oh, how, the 1984 Fleer is way better though. Oh, I don't remember that card. But I remember that. That's how I knew of him from the 1984 tops card. Uh, here, I'm going to pull that one up. Let's see what it's. The, the Fleer card, he, he's got his, uh, his business glasses on rather than his <laughs> sports glasses. Um, let's see here. And he oh. also, there's, a, there's also a picture of him with a mustache. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those glasses. Oh, man, the one, yeah, not, not, that's that's not Kelly Paris, is it? 1989? That him with the mustache? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. Yeah, you can connect him. with him on LinkedIn if you'd like. <laughs> I, I would like. Kelly Paris, man. You know, uh, looks like a little bit of, uh, I don't know if it's quite mullet territory. A couple of these pictures look like you may have a little, uh, you speak about the business glasses, but a little business in the front, uh, party in the back. <laughs> The hair as well. I don't know. Well, yeah. I'm not sure Esteban Yan, although he has one of the best names in this uh, in this uh, bracket. I'm not sure he can compete. He doesn't even get. A, yeah, he didn't even get a, the didn't even get the warm ups off. Yeah. Run right off the court. Yeah, Kelly Paris, strong performance in the first round. Going to have a lot of supporters in the second round. Although he's going to have a tough matchup, I'm afraid. Another guy that yeah, to go a long I've way. been looking forward to this for the whole time since I saw the brackets. Really, the number two seed. John Kootlangus. John Kootlangus. Oh, I'm just pumping my fist right now. <laughs> versus. I'm sorry. 16 year old Chad is just dying right now. Um, versus Travis Dawkins. Versus G- Travis Gookie Dawkins. Gookie versus the Cooter. <laughs> Kurt Langus is uh, just a side note is also on Twitter and his profile picture is him holding a pickaxe over his shoulder, looking <laughs> off thoughtfully into the distance. Yeah. He, uh, he uh, tweets at me every at, once in a while. At Kurt Langus. <laughs> you got, yeah, you got to lean into that. 
kudos to him for that. Got to lean into that Kootlangus. Um, no nickname. <laughs> no listed nickname. Surely not. I can't believe that. Um, <laughs> uh, so what about Travis Dawkins? I would have yeah. thought he'd be strong in this one. You know, Gookie? Yeah. Blown right off the court. <laughs> you know, Gookie Dawkins, uh, 6'1", 180 when he played. I remember, I remember he was a little skinny guy. He is not anymore. He uh, was managing the uh, Greenville Reds rookie league team. There, he may still be their manager. I should know that. I don't know if they, they brought him back for this year or not. But the last couple of years, he was the manager in Greenville, and he uh, he's uh, he filled he's out. Expanded. He has filled out. Yes, he probably has more power at, uh, in the gaps now. <laughs> I, I'm just looking at a picture of him from a couple of years ago when he with, was with the the Dragons, and he looks like he's 60 years old, or maybe I look like that too. I don't know, but. <laughs> Gookie Dawkins. Let's see if I can find this picture you're talking about. Um, oh my goodness, he does. Yeah, I see the picture you're talking about. Yeah, you can see oh, the, the picture next is the one with. <laughs> that's, bless his heart. That's not very nice at all. It, it, it's really not. In, that's not a good picture. They could have gotten him a shirt that fit. He <laughs> couldn't afford a you. I mean, listen, I'm not exactly uh, you know, and the, the world's greatest shape, but uh, they couldn't have got him a uniform that was. <laughs> just do a Google image search for Gookie Dawkins and. Look at the third. Um, people always look goofy with that uh, helmet on. Anyway, on the third base coach's box, that would you know no flaps. But oh, that's that's pitiful. Come on, yeah, I, I don't, I'm sure he's in better shape than I. But they just didn't do him any favors that jersey. They sure did not. Um, now uh, let's see. Uh, his nickname it says Gookie Gookie on there. I'm surprised there's no nickname, but there is a uh, pronunciation of. Uh, John Kulengus's name there. Just if you don't if you don't know how to pronounce it, it's, it makes you want to shout that first syllable. It does. It? It's a really those letters. Now, shouldn't, are, but shouldn't it be like Lang us? Shouldn't that be two syllables? Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, that's not that's not a correct pronunciation. Yeah, come on, baseball reference. Either way, he's moving. He's moving on. I, I'm sorry, we've gone off the rails as you ended up. All right, we got one bracket left to go. Let's get this done. Jim, Jim Riggleman, region number one seed, Paul Householder. Versus the number sixteen seed Kevin Quackenbush. Oh my goodness, that is quite a uh, upset bait right there. But... It is. I'll never forget uh, being at the game uh, during Quackenbush's tenure in Cincinnati, and uh, <laughs> my son uh, Casey and I were at the game, and he—that's the only thing he remembers about uh, going to a Reds game. Just about is uh, the guy sitting three rows behind us. That was he had been overserved. <laughs> he was just stand up after every single pitch. Fear the mighty Quackenbush. My son thought that was oh, the funniest thing he's ever seen. In quack and Bush. Um, That's nickname Quack. <laughs> oh, man. Very clever. I wonder who came up with that. Solid. Yeah. Solid. Oh, let's go with Householder on that one. Yeah, got to go with Householder, I think. Uh, Householder was supposed to have been good, and then he wasn't. That's... That happens. Number eight seed, Wade Rowden versus, it, since we're talking about uh, glasses, I think this guy's going to. Is an all-time glasses guy, Max Venable, the number nine seed. Didn't he wear glasses with the Reds? He wore those really, really big glasses. Like yeah. it, it probably had like the thing where you go outside and they get dark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember when he came to Cincinnati. I thought he's going to be really good. It seems like I thought he was going to be when he first came to the Reds. And now I look at it, he was really not good any of his seasons before with Montreal or San Francisco before coming to Cincinnati. Maybe <laughs> it's just that. After yeah. that first season, he hit 289, and I thought, oh, okay, this guy's going to be really good. That's part well, of what it was. Yeah, we talk about this a lot, but we didn't know what we were talking about back no. then, and, and not that we do now, but, um, you know, we'd see these guys who are 28 years old, and they come in, and they hit a, kind of a, an empty 
280 for half a season. We're like, oh, put that guy in the starting lineup. It's the Chris Steins corollary, I think, or something yeah, like that. Yes. Uh, Wade Rowden, um, I remember him. So he, he must have had a baseball card. That's the only way I would have remembered him probably in 84 or something. But uh, he didn't play much and not particularly oh, he, well. He had an 87 card at the wood grain where he looks very surprised uh, that someone took it. Yeah. yeah. Well, here, here's how I think Wade Rowden wins this one, actually. Oh, really? Uh, well, I typed Wade Rowden into Google. And it says, did you mean Wade Bowen? <laughs> oh, that's that's the ultimate. That is the ultimate. <laughs> tells, tells you he's obscure, right? <laughs> that's the ultimate. Yeah, you're right. That put him over the top, Wade Rowden. Yeah. All right, number five seed, Johnny Ruffin, versus the second member of the 1990 Wire to Wire Reds, Glenn Sutko. Johnny Ruffin versus Glenn Sutko. Glenn Sutko, beautiful. Johnny I don't remember Johnny, Glenn Sutko. I don't remember Sutko much. I remember the name because he was on that team. Ruffin, I remember because he was, you know, he was a guy that we thought he came up at 21 and was, you know, pretty good. Actually, he was pretty good the yeah. entire time in Cincinnati. What happened? I don't remember. I don't, I don't know what, how that used to work. They'd get these guys up really young and they'd be kind of good. And then they would just be terrible. Yeah. This guy was at ages 21 to 24 for Cincinnati. <laughs> he was pretty good. And they didn't play again until 2000. Glenn Sutko came up for one game, the second-to-last game of the 1990 season, came up once and struck out. Wow. <laughs> here, here we go. Uh, let's go with uh, Johnny Ruffin. He was granted free agency after that pretty good run, signed as a free agent with the Red Sox in December of 96. About five or six months later, he was purchased by the Kintetsu Buffaloes of the Jap Japan Pacific League. <laughs> <laughs> about uh let's see uh six months after that signed as a free agent with the brewers doesn't play for the brewers free agent uh, the next offseason signs with the royals released by the royals <laughs> 26 days after signing as a free agent when they released by them um a month later signs with the dodgers uh, a few months later granted free agency without playing signs again with the reds in january of 2000 and released in march of 2000 I'd like to point out, through all those transactions you just listed, he never played in the major leagues through yeah. any of that. None, none of it. <laughs> it was like three years and like seven teams, and he didn't play in the major leagues once. And then finally, he would sign as a free agent with the Diamondbacks and gets a little bit of run with Arizona. And then uh, three games with Florida the next season. He's done before the age of 30. Man, well, that's really kind of crazy. Because he, he yeah, was legitimately he, pretty good. I mean, not he a, went, a lot of games. He went but. back to Korea, and then he played in, in the uh, Atlantic League Last seen with the Pennsylvania Road Warriors, a full-time traveling team. Really? And, yes. Not not traveling team like kids play on. Traveling team like they don't have a home stadium, and they're always <laughs> a, like, a, like a Washington Generals type setup. Oh, man. I thought you were saying he was playing with one of your kids on their local yeah, uh, that's right. travel wall squad. Looks like in 2002, he was, signed again, he was signed by the Reds as a free agent twice and never played a game with them. During that time, either of those times, man, bless his heart. Good old Johnny Ruffin. I think we got to go with Johnny Ruffin here. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, Johnny Ruffin. Uh, number four seed, Rolando Rooms versus the number 13 seed, Benny Ayala. Ayala. I'm not sure I pronounced that. Benny Ayala, I think is how you pronounce it. Benny Ayala was a red? Oh, yeah. No, he wasn't. Bobby Ayala. 
It okay. Is, it is Bobby Ayala. I couldn't read my handwriting there. It's Bobby. Ben That's what I thought. Like, Benny was a, a Oriole uh, yeah. kind of backup guy. Yeah, Bobby Ayala. So that, see, that's pretty uh, obscure. Yes, right? that, yeah, very much. Uh, number one most uh, com- comparable player, Esteban Yan. <laughs> oh, wow, really? Uh, number number two, Chris Rietzma. Are you serious? So I in, yeah, I think we're in the right territory here. Yeah. So he was uh, he was a Reds farmhand who was sent off in the uh, Brett Boone trade to the uh, to the Mariners. He played quite a while up there. Yeah, yeah, he had a career up there. Um, Orlando Rooms, in my mind, was the next uh, coming of, I don't know, Eric Davis or somebody. Yeah, and he was probably more likely the next coming of, like, Max Venable. <laughs> yeah, he was traded to the Reds, actually, uh, in exchange for Lloyd McClendon. Who, really yeah. Surprisingly, Lloyd McClendon didn't make this bracket. That's I'm not sure. He's in, he's in the NIT. Um, <laughs> number one seed in the NIT, I think. I, you know, I would have... I'm looking here, Orlando Rooms... Hit uh, 213 in the 1990 season with two home runs. And I would have, if you had asked me if he had hit two home runs or 20, I would have bet 20. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a, I don't know. I thought that guy was great. And maybe it's just because it was the 90 team and we were focused in all that year. And maybe he was decent in 989 and we somehow like yeah. lumped them together. He was decent that year, you know, he's yeah. serviceable. But uh, I vote for rooms. Yeah, I think we go with uh, Orlando rooms, the number four seed there, setting up the uh, Ruffin versus rooms matchup in the second round. Anticipated, uh, highly anticipated. Number six seed Raphael Landestoy versus the number eleven seed Candy Sierra. Now, before you do uh, anything else, I want you to look up Raphael Landestoy's tops card from I think nineteen eighty is eighty three or eighty four. And. and <laughs> I, I remember it. I think now is this when he was on the Reds or when he was on the uh, Astros? No, he was with the Reds, and it was it was nineteen eighty three tops. And okay. I remember thinking he looked like a like a, a he was just a dumpy like <laughs> you know it was just like this guy's a major league player. He had this goofy grin. I remember thinking, how's this guy a major league player? I, really cool man I, though. I think I had all of Rafael Anastoid's cards looking at this because I had the seventy nine. I remember the eighty. I remember the eighty one. The eighty one Fleer I had. And those are the kind you get in the pack, and you're like, ugh, come on. But uh, Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, he, he always had his hat really, really high. <laughs> oh, he really did. He really did. Oh, man, the picture with the Dodgers that you see here, man, he, that hat is way <laughs> up on <laughs> the first one with the Astros. Look at that guy. I know. Well, even if there's there's a random picture in there where he's got some some hat with an L on it. He's like <laughs> managing some lise in the Dominican League or something, and he's got the hat way, way up there up too. High. Yeah. Oh, well, I kind of want to know what his head looks like. I do too. I do too. What's under that cap? Because every every one of these pictures, it's it's way fantastic. Up there. So so Candy Sierra played one game with the Reds ever. Yes, yes. So I, I, uh, I, we're in Landestoy on a landslide here. A Landestoy slide. I think it was, uh, Raphael Landestoy. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Candy Sierra last seen actually working at a gentleman's club in Northern Kentucky. I don't know. Candy, I don't know. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> I'm trying too hard here. All right. <laughs> number three seed, Jack Hanahan versus the number 14 <laughs> seed, Rick Krivda. Got Jack for that. We got Jack for that. Jack Hanahan. That was during the time when the Reds refused to get anyone to play a backup unless they were either a former Cardinal or awful or both. <laughs> Ideally both. <yeah. laughs> Ideally. Uh, Rick Cribda, 1998, seemed like it was a 
I would have. I would have picked him for the eighties. Yeah. Oh no. See, I would have said like the, the two thousand seven. Oh really? Oh Rick. Yeah. Rick. Yeah. Ninety eight. Uh, Sixteen games. Uh, start, actually, I thought he was a catcher. <laughs> he was a pitcher. I, I remember this guy now. Yeah, I remember this guy, Rick Krivda. Um, finished at age uh, twenty-eight. Well, Hanahan's another of uh, you mentioned those guys that the the Wayne Cri- or the Walt Jockety yeah. former Cardinals who ended their career on the Reds because nobody else would hire him afterward. Yeah, and I want to get rid of him, but he probably probably takes it over Rick Krivda here, don't you think? Yeah, but this says his nickname is Superman Ahan. <laughs> I remember calling him that just about every day that he was a red. I, I actually really actually like that nickname, but I don't think it was ever used in real life. No, and I'll tell you, if I'd have known about that nickname when he was actually with the Reds, I would have liked him a lot more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, we're coming down to the last two matchups here. Number seven seed Phil Dumatre versus the number 10 seed Jacob Brumfield. Dumatre versus Brumfield. Now mm, that's pretty good. It is uh, Dumatre. I remember he was a lefty, uh, if I recall correctly. He and, was, and um, he came from, from the Pittsburgh organization, maybe. Or did no, he, go to he, went, he later? went to Pittsburgh. He oh. came from the Red Sox in the Scott Williamson trade. Right, right, right. And uh, oh, that's right, that's right. His picture on Baseball Reference. He's like he, somebody's taught him how to smile by just describing it to him. <laughs> Is he trying to figure it out? <laughs> uh, that's the only way to describe that. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Am I doing it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Brumfield, uh, his picture, you can tell um, his his father, I don't know if sure everybody knows this, it was Otis Nixon, the old brave Otis Nixon. He looks an awful lot like Otis Nixon. Don't you know think that? that's true. No, that's probably not true. Fact check. Oh, sorry. No. Brumfield was a guy that uh, I thought was going to be one of these speedy outfielders. That was good, but anybody that debuts at twenty seven is not going to be right. Much. This is that trap we all fell into back then. Oh, two sixty eight and, and uh, stole twenty bases. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's twenty eight and he's he's never hit over you know anything. Yeah, in the minors. So who's the who's our favorite though? Of uh, it's probably Dumatre. Just so we can look at that uh, picture next time. Don't that you think? seems fair. Yeah. 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 So we got Phil, last matchup here of the first round. Number two seed, Larry Lubers versus the number 15 seed, Dennis Reyes. Now, this one has some upset potential, I think. And here's why I, I say that. Dennis Reyes, two things that I, I love about Dennis Reyes. Number one, he spelled his name Dennis with a Y. So, and number two, his nickname. Oh, it doesn't show his nickname on Baseball Reference, but you remember his nickname, right? Uh, like sweaty tuna or something like that. <laughs> Big sweat, I think. <laughs> Big sweat. And if you look at his picture, you can tell why he was called that. He was a he was a, a hefty guy. He was, but uh, not untalented. Actually, we we make, we make fun of players, but not untalented. So here's the thing. You do you know the Larry Luber's story? I do not. So, and I'm going to get part of this wrong. But Larry Luber's is a is a Northern Kentucky guy. He's a he's a Cincinnati local, and uh, that I knew. And his dad was the guy uh, when Crosley Field was torn down. Larry Senior was a you know a farmer down in Kentucky. He went around and picked up the the, the leftover stuff and salvaged what was left of Crosley Field, and he basically uh, built it on his on the family farm. So like Larry, my you know the, the pitcher Larry grew up 
with the the grandstand and the fences and really? and all the yeah the on deck circles and all this stuff at Crosley Field in his backyard. He grew up playing in Crosley Field, the the ruins of Crosley Field, at his house, and this is the stuff that later on, uh, Larry Senior I guess donated or whatever to uh, to the, the the ballpark there in Blue Ash, where you can still see a lot of this stuff. Uh, yeah, right. Today, but yeah. And then, so he played in Crosley Field and then was drafted by the Reds in the eighth round in uh, 1990. I don't know, I don't know how I didn't know that. To, to me, the, what I remembered him for was he, he debuted with the Reds at age 23 in 1993 and then did not play in the big leagues again for six years. He came back with the Cardinals and then in 2000 finished his career back with the Reds. I remember that time when he came back to the Reds. And remember, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. So that's what I remembered him for. But wow. So I, you know, I was all for big sweat here, but that's a pretty good story about Larry Lubbers. He may, he may have to, that may be chalk actually. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing. And apparently, uh, Larry was known as Chip growing up. Wow. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. All right. Now he's, now he's a banker. <laughs> well, there you go. See, learning everything you ever needed to know about Larry Lubbers. All right. We had hoped we were going to get through this whole bracket today, and we were impossibly optimistic about that because there's too much fun talking about these old uh, guys. So we will, next time Chris is with on the podcast, we will finish up the, uh, hopefully finish it up, the uh, bracket here. Maybe at some point we'll have actual baseball to talk about, but until then, that's it. Um, Chris, we got a couple of viewer mail questions. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get to those this time, obviously. Any final thoughts for everyone? Stay safe, folks. Stay safe. Wash your hands. For Chris Garber and Raphael Landestoy, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.